Amen, amen. <clears throat> well, open your Bibles this morning. And, <clears throat> excuse me, why don't you go to Hebrews 11. And we're also going to spend some time in Mark chapter 5. Hebrews 11, just for a minute, and then Mark uh, chapter 5. What we've been doing is a series, in fact, I don't think we've done the series at all here in person, uh, called Jesus Is. And Jesus is, and we kind of left a blank after that, <clears throat> and what we've been saying is Jesus is love. Jesus is peace. Jesus is healer. Jesus is provider. And what I want everybody to understand and get out of this, that Jesus is what we need him to be in our lives. Jesus is what we need him to be in our lives. Sometimes we need rescued, and Jesus is our rescuer. Sometimes we need restored, and Jesus is our restorer. Sometimes we need healing, and Jesus is our healer. In fact, I had somebody come up to me at the break. Evelyn, I'm not sure where you're at there. <clears throat> she said that during the worship time, as we were worshiping, that the Lord miraculously healed a bone on, in her fa on her face here, right around this area, that was infected, that had been challenged, that she was even, I don't know if there was surgery on the way that was potentially coming. There was all these things that were coming at her. But the Lord, honest to goodness, right there, took the pain completely away from her and has healed her face. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And as she's telling me the story, she's, tears holding back in her eyes. That's how good Jesus is. That's how good he is to us. To him be all the glory. To him be all the glory. And you know, one of the biggest challenges I've had personally for, uh, from us not gathering collectively is I've had this sense. Now maybe the miracles were happening and the healings were happening and the things were occurring and maybe I just wasn't hearing about them or wasn't, wasn't being told about them, but I just sensed that there was this marked decrease in miracles that were occurring. And as this time of us not corporately gathering was for this eight weeks or so, I felt like this rising. I feel this rising back of the tide. Like we talked about the tides were getting pulled back. There was things being exposed. And I truly have just this sense of a tidal wave of sorts of the Holy Spirit flooding us and coming back over us. And the miracles that we thought were awesome before are even just a fraction of what the miracles that God is going to do at ECF, through ECF, in Erie, in United States, all around the world. I'm not talking about here that's just all for us. I'm talking about God doing miraculous things. And I have this expectation that's greater than it really ever was before. And I think the Lord loves when we have big expectations on things. He loves when we put our faith to work and to action. Say, so, you know what? I am believing for something that is so big and so audacious, and so amazingly wonderful, but this is what I'm believing for. We are believing for healings like we've never seen before. We are believing for salvations, for those to come to know who Jesus Christ is in their life, more so than we've ever seen before. You know, during this time, you know, even your pastors need encouragement. I know you guys send us emails and texts and encourage us, but there are days where sometimes it's tough. And during this decision on when to regather, this was a difficult time for us. You know, because we want to make the loving decision. What is the right loving thing to do? And as we teach you all the time, what is the best thing for ECF? 
This is what we had to decide. What was the, not, I'm not saying it because somebody else is a meeting that they're wrong and we're right. All I'm saying is what was the best thing for us? And we asked the Holy Spirit, what is it? What is it for us? And it was Tuesday of last week. Um, Tuesday of last week is when we began to make that decision. Of course, I mentioned earlier, if you were here when we first started, I had salmonella poisoning of sorts. How? I, I mean, I had raw chicken. We figured that out. Uh, so, and I am just struggling with this thing. We're like, I'm not sure what to do, what to do. And out of nowhere, we got an email of encouragement on Tuesday morning. And this email was like, you're the right people in the right job at the right time. And God will do miraculous things, miraculous things, miracle working power through this church. And it was just like, yes, yes, God brought Everything that we needed right there in that one email was complete confirmation. And it made the decision so easy that we knew what it was to do, and it was we are to gather this weekend. But Jesus, he does that. God does that for us. He does that for each and every one of you. He will do it for each and every one of you. Jesus is what you need him to be. And this morning I want to talk about Jesus is the rewarder. Jesus is the rewarder rewarder. Hebrews 6, I asked you guys to turn there. I mean, Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. So we're going to spend some time looking at what does it mean to diligently seek him. And I want to first take a moment of what does it mean when we think of Jesus is the rewarder. Now, I don't know about you, but as a parent, I started thinking about reward charts. Yeah? Like if you get so many stars on this chart, then there's a reward for you. Maybe it's a chocolate chip, maybe it's a cookie. And I think we start thinking of rewards like if I do this perfect formula... If I have this perfect this plus this plus this plus this, then I'll get the cookie. And this is not what God is saying right here. He is not saying unless you do the perfect chart, unless you get everything right, or if you have a rewards card, you can't get the cash back until you get the certain number, right? And so you want to spend until you get the certain number, so you get double the reward cash back. No, I'm not talking about that kind of reward. I'm not talking about that type of seeking. You have to understand, God, he is a loving, merciful, merciful God. He loves us so much. He cares about us so much that if we miss a day in our Bible time, it doesn't say, well, that's it, I'm done with you. It's over, you're done. Because if that was the case, (laughs) man, we'd all be in trouble. Is that right? We'd all be in trouble. So when I see this word rewarder, and I'm thinking about what it means when he is going to be a rewarder of those, I want to look at what what does it mean to be rewarded? And then what does it mean to diligently seek? So first I want to start just for a minute about this rewarder. What does this mean? I am not talking about big houses and fancy cars. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about everything in your life going perfectly. I'm not talking about that. In fact, I'm actually talking about the opposite. You're like, wait a second. Pastor Jason, you said reward. 
What do you mean that there are things in my life that won't feel like a reward, yet they're actually a reward of diligently seeking him? Yes, I'm saying that. I'm absolutely saying that. This reward is all about transforming us. This reward is all about making us whole. This reward is all about seeing healing in our life. This reward is all about God giving us a mission and a vision for our life. This reward is all about sending us out to the poor and to the brokenhearted. This reward is all about an internal transformation and a tearing out of the things that are on the inside of us that need to go, that need to be laid to the side. When we diligently seek him, the reward is not big houses and fancy cars. The reward as we diligently seek him is a life that continues to get purified more and more and more and more. Because what Jesus understands, because he is the rewarder, is that as you do that, the rewards are actually there. The joy begins to become, to be able to be had more easily, no matter the circumstance. That's the reward. The peace that passes all understanding becomes the reward. Well, you can't just completely walk in perfect peace if you've never challenged things that challenge your peace. And so Jesus, as this rewarder, we think, well, it just means everything's going to work out perfectly. It's all going to be good. No. Sorry. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. But he is a rewarder. This true reward is not riches and glory. It's all for his glory. So do you really want this? Do you really want this reward? Because we have to diligently seek him if we want this reward. Right? He's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. So I look at this reward and say, ah, it's not a cookie at the end of the chart. But when I look at the chart, it means I don't have to be perfect in order to see the rewards that God has in store for my life. And that makes me feel, oh, oh, so good, because we don't have to be perfect. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. I want to start in verse 25. I'll tell you, this is this. These rewards, sometimes it's a hard process. Sometimes they are just great rewards that God just blesses us with, and it's just an absolute blessing. And we are so thankful and grateful for those. But many times the reward is on the other side, sometimes of a trial that's right in front of us. And these trials sometimes continue as we walk through them. God is the rewarder on the other side. So let's look at diligently seeking him. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Let's just pause there for a minute. This woman suffered Suffered and suffered for 12 years. She was broke. She had no money. She tried every solution possible. Things were only getting worse. They weren't getting better. Everything she tried was getting worse. She tried it all. And what you can see in this situation is, you know what? 
At this point, she didn't care anymore about what anybody thought. And part of diligence, I'm going to give you the three steps all tidy here, or four steps as we get to the end so you can write them all down at once. I just want you to listen to me here for a little bit. She didn't care what anybody thought. Part of watching and looking at this woman and learning from her on diligently seeking Jesus and going after him, she didn't care anymore about what people thought. She came with desperation. Next verse says, For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If only I may touch his clothes. She came with this posture of more of him and less of me. She came with a posture of if I can just touch his clothes. She came in a posture of faith. And here's the interesting thing is she actually spoke the words of faith before it happened. Did she not? Look at this. She actually, she said, if I only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She spoke in faith. Part of diligently seeking him is speaking the word of God and going after him and his promises and everything that he has in store for us. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus is the rewarder of those with faith that are seeking him. She was healed. Twelve issues, twelve years of an issue, healed. And I think, why didn't she come earlier? Well, Jesus' ministry was only a few years on the earth. So think, if this was a 12-year issue, this issue happened before, Jesus, before she even heard about Jesus or even knew about Jesus. I mean, it had to be, even if it was at the end of his ministry, based on where it was written, it probably wasn't. But just call it somewhere in the middle, a year and a half in, we're talking that this was going on for a long period of time until Jesus actually really began to show himself and who he was. But guess what? We're on the other side of Jesus. We don't have to wait 10.5 years to seek him and to seek his counsel and to seek his guidance, to seek his healing, and to diligently seek him with all that we are. He is available to each and every one of us today. Not tomorrow, today. Because guess what? Tomorrow, he's available today. Because tomorrow will be today. Did I say that right? I didn't get myself mixed up, right? Tomorrow will then be that same today. He is available for us today. And it says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you? Meaning so many people around him. How could he possibly know who touched him? How could you possibly know who touched him? Because there was a woman, and he knew someone who was diligently seeking him in faith. There was many people around him, but those people were not diligently seeking him in faith. And he knew it the moment his garment was touched, the moment the power went out, the moment she touched, the moment that what she spoke two verses earlier came into existence, and she was healed. He knew it happened. Disciples said, how are you going to know who's touching you? Just all these people. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing, and I love that. He looked around to see her. Ah, it didn't say it was a she yet. He knew. He knows you. 
He knows you by name. He knows everything that you need him to be in that blank. Jesus is whatever. He knows you. And we have to go after him with it, all that we are. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So I'm going to look at, there's, I got four points for you to write down this morning. Four things that I see in this woman and what she has done that we can model after. Right? Sometimes we need something to model after. Sometimes we need to say, if I can just do a few of these things in my life, and not one time am I going to say, you have to be perfect. Not one time am I have to say, well, you have to do your Bible time in the morning. Not one time am I going to say, well, the evening is better. Not one time do I have, am I going to say, well, it has to be done this certain way. You have to first pray, and then you read a few scriptures, and then pray in the Spirit, and then worship some more, and then you'll get the cookie. No. What we can learn here is that we have to abandon everything else. All the fear, all the worry, all the concern, and go after Jesus with all that we are. With all that we are. Church, I am tired of the church at large not going after Jesus with all that we are. I am happy that we couldn't meet, actually, for a couple weeks. Yes, oh my gosh, he said it. Because it was a reset. It was a reset. It's not about lights. It's not about the smoke. It's not about the preaching. It's not about the worship. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about him, about who he is and what he has done. It's about the communion table, the center of our services. That's what it's all about. It's an awakening for the church. The awakening is for the church, guys. This time of awakening isn't for those who are far from God. The church, God's asking us to wake, us to wake up, to get alive, to seek him with all that we are, to stop worrying about what people think. Stop worrying about what people think. Let's stop looking like the country club down the street. Stop looking like the school that's down the road. It is time for us as the church to step up and to go after him with all that we are. Every fiber of our being. And I'm calling us even as a church out on this. I am tired of lukewarm. I am tired of lukewarm. I'm tired of lukewarm in my own life. I don't want it anymore. I'm not going back to normal. I refuse to go back to normal. Refuse it. Here with me this morning, watching online, refuse to go back to normal. And this new normal, I don't even like that word. I like to be not normal. Could we be so not normal coming out of this time that we just set the world on fire? Come on, church. How do we do this? We have to diligently seek him. This is the perfect time to change what you do. The perfect time to say, you know what? I'm tired of this old way of doing it. I'm tired of having to do the check marks in the morning. We're going to seek him with all that we are because we want to. And not only that, we want to because we have to. 
I want to be seeking him with such diligence because you know what? There is nothing else. I can't do anything else. I can't do my job if I don't have him. I can't parent if I don't have him. I can't have a strong marriage if I don't have him. We can't lead this church if we don't have him. So step number one, we need to make Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. That woman was like, I am going after him. He is the author of faith. If I can just touch his garment, I will be made whole. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore, and I, God gave me this verse and I realized it's the same verse that Reverend Jeremy Gall used the last time that we gathered together here as a church because he was the guy preaching. And I was like, What? Lord, are you kidding me? Like, it's just we're picking up right where we left off, but we're going to do it in a new way. Amen? Right. We're going to do it in a new way. And church, I'm challenging you to be in a new way coming out of this. Amen. I want us to be not normal. Therefore, we also, as Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2, I don't think I have it up there, so just bear with me. Uh, Since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And if you want to hear more about that, go listen to that message from a few weeks ago from Reverend Jeremy. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking where? Unto Jesus. Where should we be looking? Unto Jesus. Are we running this race? Where are we looking? Unto Jesus. Are we looking at the storms and the waves? No, we're looking at Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The author and the finisher of our faith. He created it. He wrote it. He's got chapters in store for you. He's got seasons in store for you. Jesus is the rewarder. Jesus is just molding and shaping your life if you allow him to do that. Will you allow him to do that? Will you allow the, oh, what's an author, right? An author writes. I have a writer in my family, multiple an author writes, there's chapters. Can we let Jesus be the author of our story? Can each and every one of us let Jesus be the author of our story? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never said, you know, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day in which you can do that. Because he is writing a book with you. He's writing the story. And then he's the finisher. He's the finisher. So many of you, maybe I mentioned this before, but in high school, Dad, if you're watching, I love you, man. I don't know how you did this for 50-some years, maybe more. He was a drywall finisher, okay? And I, I please don't ask me to help you with any drywall finishing. <laughs> I have lost my skill sets in that, so let me just say that. But I did a lot of drywall finishing when I was in high school with my dad and a little bit into college. And think about what a finisher does. Think about what a drywall finisher does. Is he takes every joint that is cracked. He takes every part of that wall that has a nail in it or a screw in it. And he begins to cover it up. He begins to remold it, to reshape it, and to make it into this beautiful wall that did not exist there before. 
And each and every one of us, as we come to Jesus, we come to him like a piece of drywall with nails and screws and cracks and holes for outlets. And Jesus is our finisher. He begins to take that spackle and that tape and he begins to put it exactly where it needs to be. He begins to restore things that need to be restored. He begins to take those angles and those hard-to-reach places that are just so difficult to get to. And could that crack ever be filled? And he is able to fill it. He is able to take who you are and every hole that you have, every issue that you have, every sin that you made, and he begins to make you into a beautiful wall. And all of that is in a preparation for a time when we get to meet him in person. And he begins to put on the final color, whichever you shall pick. But I thought what a beautiful illustration of being the author and the finisher. And this woman who was pursuing Jesus with all that he is, knew, knew that if I could just touch him, this crack, this issue in my body, this challenge that I have, he can make it whole. He can make it whole. So number one, we need to make Jesus our author and our finisher. Too often we do a lot of authoring and we don't do a lot of finishing. A lot of us are good starters and bad finishers. Jesus is calling us to continue the race, continue the course all the way to finishing. Number two, don't care what people think. She put the word, meaning Jesus, first place in her life. She did not care what people thought. She did not care what people said. She did not care who came against her. She did not care. She was going after Jesus. She was going to make him number one in her life, and it didn't matter who was going to try to stop her. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, my son, give attention to my words. We have this Bible right here. She had Jesus. We've got the Bible to go after Jesus and to read his words and to seek him with everything that we are. Do not let them depart from their eyes. Keep them in the midst of our heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. This woman spoke truth. This woman went after him. She didn't care what other people thought. If we're going to make Jesus first place in our life and go after him, we cannot care any longer what people think. Can't care anymore. Can't care anymore. Well, I don't like taking my Bible into my workplace. What will people think? We can't care anymore. We can't care anymore, church. We have to stop caring what people think. We have to care what he thinks. The third thing we can see that she did, she did not let anything stop her. Diligently seeking him, we make him the author and finisher. We make him first place, but we don't let anything stop us. Nothing can stop us. You know, the Bible talks about faith without action is dead, right? This girl took action. She took action. And church, we are being called to take action, to diligently seek him, allowing Jesus to develop our faith in him. 
She was willing to do whatever it took. What does that mean for us? Do we have to make a schedule change? Then make a schedule change. We have to prioritize the things of God in our lives. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, we've been talking about it's been so hard for us to do for many, many years. And we just were seeking him, seeking him, and seeking him and saying, Lord, how will this work with our family? How can we do this family and the eight kids in the church seeking him, seeking him? And then one day, he gave us the answer. Rearrange this like this, put this here, and do this this way. And I'll tell you what, for only just a few weeks, it has radically transformed our lives. Immediately. Just like immediately when she touched him. When you seek him. Don't, if you don't get the answer right away, keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. And the answer comes. When he reveals that answer through his Holy Spirit, immediately things begin to fall into place and change. Jake, if you want to come back up here, I'm going to close with this last point. She worshipped him. Number four, diligently seeking him, worshipping him. We seek the Lord in the word. We don't let anything stop us. We make him the author and finisher, and we worship him. She fell down at his feet. She fell down at his feet. She worshipped him. Psalm 34.1 says, we opened with this, actually, as a call to worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. She worshipped him. So how do we diligently seek him? We move aside all those distractions. We go after him no matter what. We miss a day. We get messed up. We sin. We keep going after him. Church, I want each and every one of us to be so diligently seeking him coming into this new time, this new season than we ever have before. I'm going to lead the way with you. I'm going to do it with you. Because I understand more and more now that an hour more spent with him is hours of productivity that end up happening on the other side. So I'm like, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read more of the Bible. You actually, you do. Because he ends up making more time on the other side. How does he do it? I don't know. But he does it. He does it. So as we close, as we close this morning, I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a minute. I want you to know that Jesus is a rewarder. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And when we're seeking him, we cannot help but be changed into his image, which is healed, whole, which turns us into a servant, into a teacher. But if you're here this morning, and I want to ask a first question first. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and maybe you're watching online, You can do that this morning. And when you do that with faith and do that with a belief in him, he will radically transform your life. So if that's you this morning, 
If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you want to say, Pastor Jason, today's the day. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to wait any longer. I need Jesus in my life. Just slip your hand up. Anybody at all, anybody here this morning says, I need you as my Savior. Okay, keep your heads bowed. It's my challenge to you. And I don't want you to only raise your hand if you're really willing to do this. I want you to only raise your hand if you are truly willing to begin to diligently seek him more than you did ever in your life. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're tired of being lukewarm. You're tired of being halfway. You're tired of saying, no, I'm, you know what? I am just going to go all in for him. I see your hands. Just leave them up. He sees your hands, guys. He is a rewarder. This is the, the first step of diligently seeking him. Letting him be that author of this new plan. Father, you see all of these hands raised. Kind of blesses my heart. Father, strengthen them. Show them the new ways that you want them to worship you. Show them the new ways in which they can seek you in their time of reading and of study. Father, bring forth chapters that you want them to go read. Bring them books that you are calling them to begin to study. And Father, your word says that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And Father, give them the strength as you begin to peel away the things that are difficult in their life, the challenges and the struggles and the sin as you're beginning to purify, Lord. Give them the strength to continue to diligently seek. To continue to diligently seek you. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for all the hands that are raised who are watching us online. You are touching lives today. You're saying, I'll never be the same again. I will never be the same again. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Honey, you want to come up here? Got any final thoughts you'd like us to share before I do the benediction? The reward of Jesus is wholeness. Amen. That's the reward. And I have to wonder about the woman with the issue of blood. And for all those years, was she afraid? Was she so paralyzed by what people thought that she wouldn't, she couldn't, can't? What would, what would that be? I couldn't do that. Did she, was she carrying loads of shame? Was she so ashamed of her issue? What was she carrying? Because when God, when, when she touched the hem of his garment, she was made whole. And what it produced was healing in her body. But I think so often it's like, 
you come to the Lord, you say, I have this, I have this, I have this issue, and this isn't of you, and you know this isn't of him. This isn't, this isn't his will for my life. But he's looking to make you whole. And so maybe he's not going to take away that thing, that physical issue right away, because he's, he's wanting the bitterness that opened the door in the first place. He wants to come after the bitterness on the inside, or he wants to come after the root of fear. He wants to come after shame. He wants that out of your life. So is it possible that he's going to do what is best for us in that moment? Because isn't that what love is? Love is doing what is best for that person in that moment. And because he is love, he's never confused about what that is in the moment. And we, I mean, we may not always like it. We, uh, we won't always <laughs> like it. That's the transformation part. That's right. And I wrote, well done, I wrote here, um, the reward of his presence. Amen. There's no shortcut. The reward of his presence is found in the quiet place. That's good. The reward, the practice of his presence. And you practice it in the quiet place so that you can be in the middle of Wegmans, people all around, and suddenly you know you need him, and you can find his presence right there. But you practice in the you practice in the quiet place, and then you can plug into his presence anywhere. The reward, the reward of a strong marriage, a thousand deaths of the flesh, a thousand times of biting our tongues, a thousand times of surrendering our will to his will. You don't get a strong marriage by wishing. You don't get a strong marriage by accusing the one you're married to. You don't get a strong marriage by beating yourself into a, into the ground and being a doormat. We are made whole in his presence. When we say, I will do whatever you tell me to do, Lord. Whatever you tell me to do. Jesus makes us whole. And the reward is whatever it takes. The reward is the wholeness. That is the reward. And when he takes, he makes beauty for ash, from ashes. I mean, that's the reward. The cars are nice. You know, the pool is nice. The pool was just this crazy gift that the Lord gave me. It was this secret desire of my heart for years. And we lived in the mobile home. And the one tree that gave me shade in my backyard died. It died. It died. And then he cut it up and he burned it over the winter. And my allergies flared up in the middle of winter. I couldn't even hardly breathe because he burned the birch tree. And it was a birch whatever. Um, I felt like Jonah, the thing grew up and then it died. I was just like, you're kidding me. And he brought us to a place that has trees as huge like a park. And there's a pool. And every time I sit by that pool, I feel loved. And I praise God. I pray it's a good gift. And all, all it makes me ever do is glorify the Lord. That's it. So the pool is nice, but it's nothing compared to the work he did in us in that mobile home, in that wilderness place where there was no shade for us. The Lord was burning some stuff out of us. Literally, figuratively, spiritually. So that we could be here now, so we could get to a place. And there's places now that he puts his finger on. He talked about that immediate change in our life. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. We were struggling in so many ways. And we're smart people. We know how to rearrange schedules. We're homeschoolers. We know how to make schedules. We know how to put things in place. But we needed him. We needed him. And what you didn't say is what needed to be changed was our time with him. There There wasn't enough of a premium, of a protective barrier around our time with him. 
And little by little, the kids would come or someone from, you know, some need from the church would happen and we'd start talking church. Well, talking church isn't the same as spending time with the Lord. So what, what, what changed is we put up a barrier around our time with the Lord and ask our kids, when are you not allowed to talk to your parents? And they will tell you what time they're not allowed to talk to their parents because it is set up as the most important thing. And immediately, immediately things in our home began to fall into line and we just wanted to rejoice. Amen. Amen. Good. Well, guys, we're going to close. Um, you know, we actually didn't really even talk about if we're going to have the prayer team up here or not, but I'm feeling like, hey, guys, if you need prayer, uh, we'll have some prayer team members up here. Those who normally come up, you guys can come up uh, and be the, uh, the prayer team. If you need prayer for anything in your life, they're here to pray for you. Uh, we just want them to be able to pray with you. And I want to just read a benediction here out of number 6, verse 24. Just close your eyes and receive this blessing this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those who have joined us online as well. I just pray a blessing over every household, over every man, woman, and child who are here those who are watching, Lord. We just thank you for your goodness and your mercy as it follows us every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. You are dismissed, and we'll have a few people up here who can pray with you.